Go Late Selects. Brought to you by Sky. Watch new exclusive and unmissable content only on Sky. You are here, Simon. I am here, but we're not together. We're we're remote this week for reasons beyond our control. But I can see behind you a fine rail of clothes. He stole his wardrobe from Ireland. Yeah. I am just wondering, amongst all those beautiful uh, fancy shirts, do you have a denim jacket I could borrow? Are you heading out to a country music festival? I'm I'm going to a, a concert tonight in a field with Guns and Roses. Are you really? Yeah, and I thought it was a denim jacket. Yeah, I've been going around singing "Living on a Prayer" all day, but that's actually Bon Jovi, so I kind of need to brush up. I need oh, to at least look. Jesus, <laughs> oh, you're, you're a true fan. I'd say they can't wait for you to be there to kick off with Bon Jovi, and every tour around and goes, "Who's that fucking lamp in the denim jacket?" <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> So, my rock and roll friends, welcome to the podcast. This is Golad Select, Simon Delaney, and Aiden Power. It is a Golad Selects original, and it is brought to you by Sky Ireland. How's and that? you know what? Uh, umpteen weeks in, you nearly got it right. You forgot to say it's also a Golad original. That'd be no fun if I got it right, Simon. So, no, this is very true. I'd have nothing to do. How you doing? <laughs> I'm all good, pal. How are you? You had good had a good week. Living the dream, son. Living the dream. What have you got for us this week? Right. Straight off the bat, uh, there is a new television show, which is probably going to become one of the most popular shows in the world because it stars one of the most popular humans in the world, a man who can do no wrong and may one day end up president of the United States. Wow. Can we guess who it's about? Go. I'm going to say Bill Maher. (laughs) Bill Maher. No. Bill Maher's, um, no, no, would not be everyone's cup of tea. Um, this man everyone's cup of tea. Tom Hanks. He Tom could Hanks. end up as president. He absolutely could. He's America's dad, basically. That's what they yeah. call him. He's a good shout, but it's not Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Shall I tell you? Well, well I, 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 I do it better, because if I keep going through the list, we could be here for a while. Yeah, we'll get kind of... Do an impression of, of the person, okay, yeah. I'm going to back off the mic a little bit, so that, mind oh, your ears. Here we go. If you could smell what the rock... Who's cooking? Donald Duck. <laughs> Fuck you. Wayne <laughs> The Rock Johnson. It's called um, Young Rock, okay? It's a, a new sitcom. And it's Paul about Young. The, the former of years of Dwayne Johnson, a.k.a. The Rock, a.k.a. the most ah. electrifying man in sports entertainment. Well, it's it's the new season of it. It's season two. It's, it's, oh, it's right. back. Which was the popularity of season one. The Rock, grown-up Rock, not Young Rock, is running uh, for candidate for presidential election in 2032 he's putting it out there in dramatic form now i will be your president in 10 years time so during the course he's of the not, six- just to clear it up as well he's no yes. relation to dickie is he well now i'm not or sure dean. If that, if, if, <laughs> <Dean> Rock. <laughs> yeah me, me cousin's the rock that's right and barney he's um, over in america doing a bit of acting apparently yeah well, you know what we're like for fucking trying to claim people, no matter how tenuous it all is. I'm Don't sure. Has Irish links, has he? I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure we've tried. I'm sure we've tried. Um, but this show and is and will be continue to be hugely popular because he is he's the biggest film star in the world. He's the highest paid movie star in the world. He he would be, wouldn't he? And he's probably the yeah, he is yeah most bankable and I certainly. Don't know of anyone who's ever spoken poorly of The Rock. I think everyone's a big fan. Dudes like him. Women yeah. like him. Uh, America loves him. And so in the show, he's going to be more, yeah, running to be uh, president-elect. And he's being interviewed. And during the course of this interview, he starts having kind of flashbacks of his life that have led him to this point. So it's kind of done in a flashback sense. We got a spot for you next season. What? Maybe on the game day roster if things shake out the right way. I can arrange a plane ticket. Get you back up here in a few days. This was the call I had been uh. waiting for because it forced me to make a choice. Coach, uh, I appreciate you calling, but um, I think it's a no. Right. Yeah. Is he in he's it? A, he's a, yeah, he is. He's a one-man industry, and then there's obviously uh, younger versions of him in it, mm. at least one, obviously. So the season two, the episodes are dropping on Sky Comedy. It's also streaming on now, and I'm sure you can go back and watch season one if you've yet yeah, to do it already. I think the, 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 the Rock is just like... It's like medicine. 
Do you know what I mean? If you were feeling a bit down, watch The Rock. If you need a little pep in your step, watch The Rock. You know, he's oh, such, lovely. he radiates such uh, positivity and warmth and wholesomeness. And he's, you know, and he has this tequila thing going on and he's, you know, he's well, a dude. I'm sure he'll be as, as the Americans compared. say, he's a, he's a stud. What are you thinking about, Coach? What are you thinking about what you're going to do after the show with all your friends? Is that what you're thinking about, Coach? What are you thinking about going dancing after the show? Is that what you're going to do? Huh? Well, The Rock says this. The Rock has an idea. Since you like dancing so much and seeing as we are in the city we are in, why don't you, Coach, why don't you dance the Charleston? He'll be thrilled that you've compared him to a lukewarm bottle of Calpol. But there you go. <laughs> uh, he's, more, he's more the flat seven up than the old Calpol. <laughs> he's a bottle of Calwine lotion. How <laughs> <laughs> in the name the of Rock God from- do we get there? Do you remember him from his wrestling days or do you just I was, uh, associate no. him as a, a big Hollywood box office actor? I never really watched the wrestling, but and I never really watched any of his movies. <clears throat> the only thing I saw him in was that, what was the thing we played the sports agent? Oh, yes, uh, Ballers. Ballers. Ballers, yeah, I watched the first series of that. It was all right. Um, yeah, no, I, I wasn't really a fan of his back in the day. He did wear very short shorts. He wore budgie smugglers when he was wrestling, basically, didn't he? He did, yes, with a with, with a bull, like an emblem emblem of a bull. Speaking of ballers, let's bring in uh, our producer, the emblem, JC. John. JC, question for you was was the bull was the rock's bull emblem <laughs> on the front or the back of his trolleys? Can you remember? I think it was in the back. <laughs> it, was it was in the back. I don't think the bull on his arse. Yeah. It was growing. <laughs> it was on the back of the rock's jocks. Yeah. Oh, oh, the Jack. That's why Johnny's here. Look, huh? yeah, the only alliteration like, and all. Anyway, I watched. Do you like the Rock? I do like the Rock, and I, I saw him like in his wrestling days, and I thought he had a bit of something about him. He could tell that he was not just some head case from the the gym. He actually was an entertainer. Had his, star quality, his lines yeah. And, yeah, yeah, a bit of star quality to him. He could uh, do the eyebrow thing. Remember that? Ada oh, was cool. like one of his. Yeah, yeah. That's the eyebrow thing. Yeah. yeah. Look, I'm I'm doing it now here on camera. Can you see it? Yeah. <laughs> look more like Columbo, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, really we had a little a wry look at the camera, Simon, and the the left eyebrow would go up, and you know something. The something Roger Moore left eyebrow thing. Yeah, he'd give Roger Moore a run for his money in the eyebrow raising stakes. Anyway, uh, that's the uh, Rock, yeah. and that's his, that's his latest show. And uh, but you've never seen Roger Moore's trolleys. There you go. <laughs> Let's move on, shall we? Roger <laughs> Moore's trolleys. There's trolleys? another name for the band. <laughs> Rhyming slang, trolleys being no, trolleys are jocks. I don't know. I haven't a clue. Yeah, trolleys. trolleys. Okay, yeah, jocks. Me bags. Me cacks. Yeah, bags. Trolleys. Yeah. That's that's a new one. Is that a Northside thing? You've done, John. T- back me up here. You've heard the word. I've never heard that before, Simon. No, me trolleys. Oh Lord, John, are you Northside or Southside? Northside. I've been famous for a long time, but uh, no, oh, you heard never heard trolleys. the word trolleys from Finglas. No. no. Is there something you'd put your shot into the fingers? They were all stolen because they were joking. all down the canal. I'm not passing any assumptions or us. Uh, well, anyway. li- literal trolleys now, but uh, no one's showing you their cacks saying, Look at my trolleys. Uh, yeah, no, you two haven't lived. <laughs> Clearly not. Sounds like it. Right then. I'm going to toss a coin he- heads or tails, Simon? I'm going to go heads. Heads it is. You get to go first with your recommendation. <laughs> that was very scientific. You hadn't was even it? got a Jesus coin. And you tried to mime it and you looked like you were trying to call a cab in 1930s Manhattan. You went, that. <laughs> that was Melogian. Oh, Jesus. Right. <clears throat> I'm going to give you a recommendation now. And I'm telling you this in no uncertain terms. Right, this It's going to be hard to follow this. Ooh. I'm recommending... A, a TV series that I watched over the space of the last week. And it is without question the best TV series I have seen since The Sopranos. I'm a starving artist. I'm definitely a starving actor. <laughs> I hope you don't mind I ordered the menu out. Listen, you agree to read for Michael, I'll take you to Chasen's once a week until you die. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, I read the book. Oh, it's not bad. But, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, Michael's the lead, right? One of them, yeah. He's the Don in waiting. See, that's my problem now. I, I, uh, I guess I just don't see myself as a lead. Really? You're such a talent. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you. Uh, 
How about Sonny? Hmm? No, no, that's a role I'd be interested in taking a real big swing at. Sonny's a great character. He's certainly a big impact player in this, but we really want you for Michael. Jesus. He doesn't do hyperbole, ladies and gentlemen. That's a big freaking statement. This is unbelievably good. So let me tell you what it is. As you know, last week on Sky, Paramount Plus dropped onto the Sky platform. So all of Paramount's back catalogue, the odd couple, all the Star Treks, all their stuff is now available for no extra cost on your Sky platform. But they've also released a bunch of new TV series that they've made, their Paramount Plus originals. And this series is called The Offer. And I was thinking about it last night as I watched the last episode. Why do I love this so much? Why is it just hitting every beat for me? And it's primarily it's because of the, the subject matter. So The Offer is a 10-episode limited series which circles around the events that happened up to the Godfather movie being made. So the tagline for the show is the greatest movie almost never made. So it centers around Albert S. Ruddy, who was the producer of The Godfather. Centers around him, and he's played brilliantly by somebody who's fast becoming one of my favorite actors, Miles Teller, who you would have seen in the the new Top Gun movie. movie. Yeah, he's Top Gun movie and in Whiplash. Correct. So he plays Albert S. Ruddy. And the series is based, as it says this in the opening credits, it's based on the recollections of Albert S. Ruddy while making The Godfather. So it's based around him, how he becomes a producer and how he gets the job of producing The Godfather. And then it goes on through how they financed it, how they cast it, how they shot it, and the problems they had along the way in terms of the mob, in terms of personal relationships, and all the characters in the movie uh, Matthew Good, by the way, plays Robert Evans, who was the head of Paramount at the time. And he's unbelievable. There isn't a weak link in this cast. Dan Fogler plays Francis Ford Coppola. Burn Gorman plays Charles Bluthorn, who's the owner of Gulf and Western, who own Paramount. Uh, Giovanni Rabisi is in it, and he plays Joe Coppola, wow. who, was, who was one of the heads of the five families at the time. So it also stars Juno Temple, who you remember from Atonement. She plays Betty McCarty, who is uh, Al Ruddy's uh, assistant. So why do I like this? Okay, well, obviously it's the subject matter, okay? But I thought I was a bit of an aficionado when it came to The Godfather. I thought I knew about certain myths and the legends and all that. For Mm. example, the horse's head in the bed, the Johnny Fontaine character. Is that based on Sinatra? That's actually addressed in the series to the point where Sinatra gets involved in the story. So Sinatra appears. It's incredible. There is one scene in particular I wanted to talk about, which I felt was almost otherworldly. They finally get the movie on track. It's financed. They're about to shoot. And Coppola decides he wants to book a table down in uh, PJ Clark's in New York a couple of days before they start shooting for the members of the Corleone family to uh, meet and get together. And it's this incredible scene in this restaurant with Al Ruddy, the producer, Mario Puzo, the writer, Coppola. And then all these actors come in. The guy's playing Pacino. The guy's playing Brando. Talia, who's playing uh, Connie. James Khan. (laughs) And it's, I don't know, I just recognise it because I've been at those meetings where you're meeting these people who you're going to spend the next couple of months with. Yeah. And it's all very awkward and it's, and sort of a couple of stand there looking going, Jesus Christ, is this right? And he said, look, let's see, you know, manja, let's see. He said, sit where you want to sit. And they all kind of look at each other and Brando sits at the head of the table. And then Sonny sits beside him, the Michael Dobb. It's just, and they start, they're improvising. Uh, in character, eating in character, and Coppola is just sitting otherworldly, as you say. This is getting almost like oh Inception or, or Russian Dolls or something. So, hang on, you have actors playing famous actors beside yeah. other actors who are playing real life gangsters. Correct, correct. Okay. So <laughs> they're all playing like they're all playing. Obviously, none of the real actors are in it. But there's a, there's a shot then of Coppola just sits back and watches the the, the Corleone sons. And the father talking, and he's just sitting there going, "Yeah, I've got this fucking casting spot on." But it's the like obviously because it's Paramount Plus, budget is huge, and it looks amazing. A lot of it takes place 
on the lot in Paramount that a lot of it takes place in all the locations in New York. But even when you see the guys building the sets, you're going, shit, that's the Godfather's office. And then they go to Sicily. It's just, I didn't want it to end. It was the writing, the performances, the music, the score, the way it looks. I haven't seen it look as good like that since Mad Men. It's just oh, beautiful. Wow. On, it's beautiful on the Itch. eye. And it's funny, it's funny, and Mario Puzo, like it starts off with him because he's a writer and he's got his latest book out and he goes to a book signing and there's four people there and his agent says to him, you got to write something that you know about, Mario, you know, come on, think of it. And he goes home to his wife and he owes the book, he's a $1,000, he gets the ship beaten out of his wife goes, how much do we owe? $1,000. You know, you got to write a new book, Mario, come on, get in there, get into it. And she beats him in the room and <laughs> sit him down to typewriter and... <laughs> And then a couple of weeks later, she comes in and she goes, well, and he, and he sees a smile on his face. He says, I have this idea for a story about a family, immigration and a family and Italians. And, and then the book goes on to be the biggest selling book in the world, which Paramount right. had already optioned. And then the reason why the picture is chosen by Paramount, the reason, reason why Albert Ruddy is chosen to produce it, this shit that he has to go through in terms of personally connections with the mafia with the colombo family what's happening in new york at the time the italian american league was formed by the colombo family and none of, none of them wanted this movie to be made because it was going to show italian americans in a bad light and just when you see it evolving and then the movie gets made and it's just i swear to god i i, I, I cried when it was over i just wanted to go right wow. back to the start and watch it again and so, so that I'm, is on. Sensing that there is no sense or fear that it's, you know, peeling back the curtain and and revealing the the myth and the magic because sometimes we're not meant we're not meant to see that. Do you know Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's almost it's, it's, that. the way it's shot. Aiden is so clever. Like when they're shooting scenes that are in the movie, we're the shooting is where we're seeing the crew, and we're not seeing what's being shot but we know what's being shot i can play it in my head and oh, you yeah. hear it yeah. and you go oh yeah he's doing that he's doing that and you're watching the crew reacting to what they're watching it's phenomenally clever it's so good and all those rumors about you know they didn't about the casting they didn't want brando they didn't want pacino even up to when they were shooting they wanted to fire pacino and pacino this is all true which i'd heard about before but up until they shot the scene where Pacino's character where Michael shoots McCluskey and, and Salazzo in the restaurant he was getting fired that day that day but you <laughs> get to see you're not all gangster on us that day that day, hey, that day. Me. the guy's <laughs> getting fucking fired that fucking day get him out of here he's a fucking get him out of here <laughs> so uh, it, it, I knew that rumor was true but I didn't know why they didn't want him and you find out in this you also find out how and why Al Ruddy is the producer how he manipulated everything to work out. It is phenomenal. And Miles Teller, as you say, Whiplash. I've only seen him in Whiplash and in this. I think he's becoming my favourite actor. I've watched the guy reading the phone book. He's phenomenal. Is he? Okay. Oh, he's so Great. good. I'm, look, I'm really excited about this because your enthusiasm is you, pouring Johnny. into my ears on the screen, literally. Um and they're hour-long episodes, so you have a lot there to watch. Like, you know, there's some episodes go up in 50 minutes to an hour and five. So just dive in, do two a night even. Fantastic. And it's, it is it is a drama. It's not a documentary, obviously. But mm -hmm. but is this the real story, or is this a dramatized well, version of... But no, this, this this was Albert Ruddy, who was the producer. Right. Um, it's ba it says in the title, it's based on... Uh, Al Ruddy's recollections of making The Godfather. So this is coming from the horse's mouth, if you pardon the pun. <laughs> but it's coming from the man who is there. And also, there's just there's just twists in it, and there are characters in it. Liz Taylor appears in it, Ali McGraw, it's the Robert C. McQueen. And you just it's just unbelievable. If anyone is interested in movies, I'll put it that yeah. way. Just watch it because it shows how movies get made, because it's not straightforward. It's brilliant. I'm always intrigued by uh, Robert Evans. Uh, obviously, The Kid Stays in the Picture was a good documentary yeah, about yeah. him. And he appears in books like Easy Riders, Raging yeah. Bulls. Uh, one of my favorite books of recent years, The Big Goodbye, which is about the making of Chinatown, which is yes. a masterpiece. Of which a book. is mentioned in this. Which yeah. is mentioned in this because that was his next picture. And he comes across as someone, a real mover and shaker. Like he has the phone oh. glued to his ear before he gets out of bed, yeah. that kind of guy. 
but he has this like vanity and kind oh. of insecurity about him. These uh, past few years have been rough for Hollywood. We've made a lot of mistakes. Some people have learned from them and some people haven't. We have. Money we spend are not going to be through extravagances. The money we spend is going to be on the screen. And speaking of the screen, I think, well, maybe that's the reason we're here today. But I want to bring up one project, and that's The Godfather. I bring it up for several reasons. One, that it's starting production next month. Two, that it's going to be our next Christmas's picture. And three, if it weren't for Paramount, The Godfather would never have been written. Matthew Good plays Robert Evans in it, and I swear... What it's just what a performance! They're the two kind of leads in it because it's kind of Al Ruddy is not a producer. I, I'll spoil nothing by telling you this: Al Ruddy was was a, a computer programmer for the Rand Corporation. That's what he was doing when he started off and was bored out of his tree and wanted to do something different. Loved movies and loved. You know, eventually he gets into TV. He actually creates Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> he creates that show, starts shooting it, and walks away. Because that's not what he wanted to do. He wanted to produce movies. And he finds out that Bob Evans is the is the man. He's the guy, he's the head of Paramount. And he chases this guy down and he doorsteps him basically on the lot of Paramount and says, I want to work for you. And he just does, and eventually a man gives him a shot. And it just goes from there. And these their relationship through this series is what the series is about. It's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And Matthew Good as Bob Evans. And Bob had this kind of nasal kind of, he has this nasal, the way he talks, and he just nails him. He absolutely, Matthew Good just inhibits the character. And he's a real mover and shaker. It's all the parties, the Polo Lounge, the Chateau mm. Marmont in LA. Uh, it's, it's just unbelievably good. I liked it, lads, you probably guessed. Yeah, I, I, I can sense that. But I think this is. <laughs> that. Yeah, you're like, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd give it the oh, full man. Terry's chocolate orange and then some. Oh, I I'd give it. I mean, I'll so tell you how good it is. I'd give, so it la- I'd give it my last ch- chocolate orange. That's how good this is. It's called The Offer. The Offer. Okay. And the it's offer. on Paramount Plus, which very kindly, thanks to Sky, now sits on your Sky box at no extra charge. You've also got all Paramount's backlog of work. The new Star Trek series is on Paramount. Um, and little things, obviously, because Paramount made the offer. There's a scene where Robert Evans, Bob Evans, is at home in his private cinema drunk, and he's watching The Odd Couple with Lemon and Matt now, because they own that movie. So, like, there were no hurdles for them to jump over in this movie, because I would know myself trying to get rights for music whenever. It'd be disaster. Every song you think of from the 70s that was a big hit is in here. Every culture reference, every movie, they own them all, and they're all in there. It's so Folks. good. He is beaming from ear to ear as he's, as he's yeah, telling us. I love it. I love it. I wouldn't know half as much as you would, Simon, about The Godfather. But is it true that Marlon Brando never bothered to learn lines, so he'd, he'd stick them onto other cast members, stick the yeah. script to them and read them out of shot? Is that true? And it's, dis- and it's disgusting. And you see that in, the, in this series. Um, and it's, it's said that Coppola said... Uh, <laughs> That's very funny, actually. There's a scene in it where and this is obvious. I'm not revealing anything. <clears throat> the scene where the Godfather sitting behind the desk in the opening, the movie, you know, where he's receiving people to ask favors, and Jimmy Khan is standing in front of him, or Robert Duvall is standing in front of him, and Robert Duvall's the famous photograph of Duvall has these two sheets of cardboard under a suit with all Brando's lines. And when in the series, when you see this, they turn around and Betty, who's Al's secretary, is sitting behind the camera. She goes. What the hell is that? And is he not going to learn his lines? And uh, Coppola says he doesn't believe in learning lines. He likes to live in the moment. And Betty, the secretary, whispers to the guy beside her, I think they all fucking do that on this movie. None of them are learning their lines. (laughs) It's just, it's fucking brilliant. Please, please watch it and report back to me. 100%. 100%. I'd nearly stay in from going to Guns N' Roses tonight to kick that yeah, off. Forget about Axel Rose. Tell him to go and ask your left one. Stay in and get, get knee-deep into the offer. We look at ourselves as a creative force unto ourselves, And that is why Paramount is going to be Paramount in the industry in the 70s. All right. Drum roll, please. The one, the only, entertainment.ie, 
man. <laughs> what a crap introduction. Brian Lloyd, your entertainment was awful. Man. <laughs> man of many, many things. He's, he's been introduced previously as a guru, an expert, and you just went straight for the man. I'm I pretty mean, simple like that. I say it as it is. He's a man and he reviews movies. He's the movie man. Brian, what's going on, Pally? Well, I've been, I've been in, so I've been called many, many worse things by Ireland AM <laughs> viewers. In fact, actually, just out of, <laughs> this is hilarious, right? Uh, this is, this is actually serious, right? Just, I did this, I did this once against my better judgment, against my better judgment. I did this once where I uh, went onto Facebook and I looked up uh, an old video that I did. That, oh dear. Uh, yeah, and it was for Downton Abbey. That time I was slagging off. Oh dear. And I went through the comments. And like, I'll tell you right now, there are a lot of angry middle-aged women out there who have a problem with people <laughs> insulting Downton Abbey that I was not aware of. I mean, oh. using the kind of words and the kind of uh, aggression that is normally reserved for a GAA match, to be totally honest. Uh, just very, like, it was like, wow! Like, okay, Welcome fine. Like, I didn't like Downton Abbey too, but, like, it's, What? So, oh, yeah, Lord. I've been called worse, basically. So you can call me a man, Aiden. That's, that's totally okay. I'm, 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 well, in comparison good. to the, the level of, of abuse one might receive from Ireland AM viewers, they are the yeah. most critical. Uh, anything above that is, is, is going to be generous. So, Brian, totally what, have you, what have you seen that you want to report on this week uh, as to whether we should see it or not? Well, see, this is actually this is interesting because the film that I have for you this week, odds are you're probably going to have to you're you're but you you both have kids, don't you? No, I do. I don't listen. He has cats. Oh, do you? Know? Oh, all right. Okay. Um, well, you see, some people go, "They're my babies." I I'm not going to speak of them like that. They're cats, and that's it. Yeah. Grant. Okay, so Simon, this one is for you then. Um, so this is uh, minions. Hang on, wait, 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 Brian. I'm I'm going to be an uncle in two weeks' time, so okay. I will therefore have a child in my life that I can bring to the cinema. So don't cut me out of this sure. one just yet. No, no, no! I wasn't that. Aiden, God, I wouldn't do it to your brother. Um, he's so he's in strange this, humor today, isn't he? Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm only. Up. You can borrow any of my four kids to go to the cinema anytime you want. There's no problem there. Like, oh, you pay me, Simon. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm set, brother. Um, so yeah. So basically, the film this week is Minions: The Rise of Gru. Um, I'll be honest, right? It's really hard. Uh, this might get a little bit inside football, but you know, let's let's just go with it anyway. Um, it's very, very difficult to review a film that you know you have zero interest in. And I don't mean that in the sense of like, oh, it's a romance or oh, it's this or that. I mean it in the sense of like you're watching it and it's like I there's, I can't connect with this in any way, shape or form. Because, the Minions, really? Well, like I, mean, like, I mean, you watch it. Like, I mean, it's very, very, very aimed at kids. Like, and I'm not talking about like slapstick humor because I think it can be any age and find that funny. I think it's just more that like you're watching it and it's really, really bright colors and it's really, really loud. And it's really just trying to kind of like, like holding keys up for kids and just shaking it at them for a little while, you know, that sort of way. Like it's that kind of thing. And, and am really I right like, saying, oh. Brian, that the minions don't even speak any sort of cohesive English language. It's just kind of, nye, 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 nye. No, or do they? Say that because they do a bit, but it's like they, it's sort of a Terra Babel kind of thing. Cause you hear them kind of sometimes speak in Spanish and then you hear them speak in French. And then sometimes you hear them speak in German. Like I'm getting little, I hear a little kind of phrases, like, like barely remembered, you know, past French or something like that. I'm remembering little phrases, okay. like avec or something. But uh, yeah, no, they're just basically kind of, yeah, it's gibberish. Like it is gibberish. <laughs> Um, so what's going on in this one is Steve Carell is playing Gru, who's like the supervillain, but it's him as a, I guess as a child, like a kind of precocious preteen, if you know what I mean. And he wants to join this super group called the Vicious Six. Um, they've stolen this amulet and Alan Arkin plays the leader of it, a guy called Wild Knuckles. And after they steal this amulet, he's... Wild milk nozzle, is that what you said? No, wild knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> you said wild milk nozzle. That's a great name for a villain. 
I mean, that's a good, yeah, that's a real good, that's a real kind of 70s prog rock band, actually, isn't it? It is, yeah. Wild Miz. Yeah. Two Nights in Philadelphia, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Wild Milk Supported by King Crimson. And like songs that are like 15 minutes long, like already this is more interesting than. Wowzers. All right, okay, this review is going south big time. Well, like, it's just, like, it's, I don't know, there was nothing in, like, okay, it's set in the 70s. And as I was watching it, I was trying to think, kids get half of the humor that they're going for here. Like, there's a bit where he, like, takes out an 8-track and uh, it has a little holographic message in it. I was like, okay, like, I am I know what an 8-track is because it was born in the 80s. But, like, a 5- or 6-year-old wouldn't get that. And, okay, fine, yes, the parents might watch this and say, oh, yeah, I remember 8-tracks or their grandparents now nearly at this stage. But, um... I don't know. It was just, it was very kind of, there was a lot of choices made in it that I felt were kind of strange. Like Alan Arkin plays Wild Miz Knuckles or Wild wild Knuckles, as he's called. And uh, his humor is is really, it's almost kind of too dry and too sarcastic for it, you know, that sort of way. Whereas when Steve Carell is playing Gru, he's just completely hamming it up. And then you have Taraji P. Henson in there who, you just know, like, it's all first takes she's doing. Like, she's just like, yep, yeah. I got it. Throwing it over. Let's get the next one. Like, banging it all out in a day kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And it's just... But in saying all this, I'm like, I'm, I'm, it sounds like I'm slighting it. I'm not. Like, I mean, it's... I can see that kids would watch this and get a lot out of it. I think they'd it sounds be entertained like by it. Expectation, Brian, was higher and you're disappointed. Were you basing that if that's the case, on perhaps the last Minions movie and enjoying yes. that. So you were expecting more from this one. I suppose, yeah. And the fact that like they, they got such a good cast, like Steve Carell and Alan Arkin, like, I mean, they're, you know, you would think they would have a lot more to bring to the table than just sort of very kind of, you know, dry rote readings of their script. You know, that's sort of, you think they kind yeah, of would they, have they a bit should of be doing, like, They should be doing revivals of the Sunshine Boys on Broadway. That's a great cast, like Steve Carell and Alan Arkin. So the right people in the wrong movie. Carell absolutely is brilliant as Gru. And I, I'll be honest with you, I can't wait to see the film. It's one of those movies that you're glad to drive the kids along too. That's what I'm saying to you. You'll get a bit out, out of it yourself. But uh, Alan Arkin is the, the super milk knuckles, whatever the hell he's called. Like, I don't get that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying to you. Like, yeah, it's just, I mean, when Steve Carell is doing his thing, like, he's great and he's very funny and very kind of over the top. And I think he kind of, I mean, this has got, what, nearly the fourth film now or something like that. So, like, he clearly knows what he's doing and he can almost do it on autopilot. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I do think Alan Arkin was probably miscast. I think that's fair to say because, you know, the, the, the character that he plays, he's just like kind of like aging punk rocker kind of guy. And like, you know, God, they could have got Icky Pop. Do you know what I mean? They could have got, yeah. they could have got anybody. They could have got D. Snyder. They could have got uh, anyone. Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne even. Yeah, he might have been a good cracker or something. Like just, they could have got someone with a little bit more personality or a bit more of a, a personality that fits than Alan Arkin because Alan Arkin yeah. definitely does have a personality. Like you go watch Little Miss Sunshine and he's brilliant oh, in it. Yeah. Dwayne, that's your name, right? Dwayne? This is the voice of experience talking. Are you listening? Fuck a lot of women, Dwayne. Hey. Not just one woman. Dad. A lot of women. That's enough, right? Are you getting any? Dad. You can tell me, Dwayne. Are you getting any? Come on, please. No? Jesus. You're what? 15? My God, man. Dad. You should be getting that young Dad. stuff. That young stuff hey. is the best stuff in the whole world. Hey, Dad, that's enough. Stop Will it. Will you kindly not interrupt me, Richard? He's so good. Like, and you go back and watch all his stuff from the eighties and stuff like that when he was, you know, like he, he, he is a very strong comedic actor. I just don't think it translates as well to animation. And I think that's kind of a big, it's a big letdown. It isn't boding well for the old sliding scale of chocolate mm. orange segments, is it? Before we get well, to the, the, the yeah. big reveal, Brian, do you think that the, the standard in animation movies has, has declined in the last number of years? Like I, you, re, you reviewed uh, Lightyear recently, and that was fairly lukewarm as well. Like when you think back to the, I mean, it's 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 hard to produce a Toy Story movie every year that's going to be as good as Toy Story one or two. But is the standard declining? I don't know if it's declining. I just think, 
like are the people who maybe made those films the really really good ones that everyone will talk about forever have they moved on Have, have they moved up yeah yeah i think that's fair to say yeah for sure because like you have you have a you have a situation now where every film is being compared to Toy mm. Story, as you say, or right. to Wally or whatever, or The Lion King, you know, that sort of way. So like the the bar is so high now. And the fact as well is is that like I mean, animated films get cranked out every yeah. year. And it, 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 I mean it's not on the same scale as something like horror, where, you know, you can you know, there can be a there can be 20, 30, 40, 50 horror films, but only really, you know, five or six of them are worth talking. But even but even though you say there's a lot of them getting cranked out, a lot of them are just sequels. There, there yeah. seems to be very few originals now. Like Wally was the last kind of big original. That was a superb movie. Mm. Like what was the last, you know, standalone animated movie that was superb? There was one I watched, Coco. Did you watch see Coco? Yeah. I saw Coco, That's a yeah, great like Inside movie. Out. Yeah, yeah. Inside, Inside Out, was out great, great movie, yeah. yeah. But yeah. it yeah. just seems to be this one, like the minions you're talking about, the one you spoke about, Ado, the, the Lightyear one, mm. they're just flogging a dead horse, aren't they? I mean, but again, you see, like again, it's, it's that thing of there's so much out there that, you know, people will only respond to something that they recognize. Do you know that sort of way? They'll go yeah. and they're like, oh, yeah, I remember him from Toy Story. Or, oh, yeah. But the then Minions. quality doesn't matter. It's a bit like being a Manchester United fan. You go and see them every week, even though you know they're shy. Exactly. Speak, yeah. Speaking of which, just very quickly, yeah. on a sidebar, Simon, I am in a WhatsApp group that you formed with about 40 oh, yeah. other Manchester United fans. I have not opened mm. that WhatsApp group in several months. And I was looking at my phone today. I've 2,000. 305 unread messages. Is there anything I need to know? Has anything happened in those few months that's positive? No. Okay, grad. Carry on. Won't waste me time. Right, Brian, let's let's split the orange for... Give us the full title of, of the Minions movie. It's called Minions, The Rise of Gru's. Hang on a second. You're not going to get away that easy with this WhatsApp. Okay. Tell me oh, exactly yeah. how you managed to... Like, did you just mute the group? Was that it? Yeah, yeah. It's permanently muted. Yeah. Yeah. Permanent mute. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Like, but like two and a half thousand messages. Like, did you the last like, message yeah. or the most recent one I can see, and it's from Simon, and it just says nope. Have Manchester United managed to sign a fucking player this season? That's nope. exactly what the question was this morning in the group. Yeah. There you someone go. Posted a Twitter thing saying such and such a sign, and someone else said, "Has it happened?" I went, "Nope." Um, nice. Right. Crack nice. open your orange, son. How many segments does Uncle Gru get? Okay, I would give this, against my better judgment, I'll give it half. I'll give it 10 out of oh. 20. Well, that's that's respectable. That's what I'm saying to you. Like, like th- this film is fine. Nothing about it blew me away. It was 88 minutes long. I chuckled once or twice, which I think is, you know, for a very kid-focused animated yeah. film, that's pretty good. I think if you get I one tell or two you big laughs out of it. I tell you what, just to tell... <laughs> Referring back to your previous conversation about Facebook comments, given our chocolate orange segments, sliding mm. scale, you've rated grew ten times better than the Downton Abbey. Yeah, again, please address your to... comments to Brian Lloyd. <laughs> When's your next appearance on Ireland AM, Brian? Oh, I can't uh, wait. It's tell the Ireland AM viewers that you're coming. Oh God, I think it was like Simon Buckman next week. Actually, yeah. Oh, please let it be in a Friday when I'm there. I have oh, yeah. to be there for that. Give me a bring a tin helmet. All right. Well, is there is there any better news in the cinema this week? I mean, the only other film I have is a very, I would say, an art house film. So this film is called uh, Nitram and it's directed by a guy called Justin Carzel. Um, did any of you ever see uh, Macbeth, that one that Michael Fassbender did a few years back? What was it called? Macbeth. Macbeth. Oh yeah, no. I've heard I think of it's yeah, popped no. up on one of the streaming services, and I've I've threatened to watch it, but I haven't. Is it worth? Yeah. Is it worth watching? Or is it weird? It's worth watching. It's it's weird. That's it. It's weird because okay. it's Macbeth. It's going to be weird, and I think you know this director Justin Carzel, like he's known for making these really sort of, um, I guess you would call them like very dark psychological thrillers and dramas and stuff like that, okay. and you know. They're not generally the kind of films I would say that tend to, they tend to be overlooked a lot. 
Do you know that sort of way? And and with we with good reason, I think, because like they're very, very dark, oppressive films, like and stuff like that. And they're not kind of the films that you're like, oh yeah, let's go have a they're not date night movies. Do you know what I mean? Like they're not yeah. date night movies. But I think if you're in the mood for something kind of a little bit, you know, a little bit kind of harder to grapple with, but ultimately satisfying, that's exactly the kind of film that he makes. And this film is basically it's based on a true story. It was this um mass shooting that happened in Tasmania in Australia in 1996 in Port Arthur. Good morning. On the island of Tasmania, the worst massacre in Australian history is finally over. At least 34 people were killed and four others critically wounded when a 29-year-old gunman with a history of mental problems opened fire in a popular tourist area. The carnage came to an end only this morning after the gunman caught fire following a 12-hour standoff with police. And it was about this man who basically had uh, intellectual disabilities and his name was Nitro. Um, and it's very, I mean, again, you know, I'm recommending it, but I'm not recommending it because it's kind of like, did any of you ever see that film uh, or hear about that film? We need to talk about Kevin. Anyone know about that? One? Yeah. 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 Similar kind of buzz. Like, I mean, we need to talk about Kevin was obviously based on a fictional story or whatever, but this is actually based on a real story. So, it kind of, I always kind of feel like that when you have films like this that are about a real event and it's a real shocking event, it makes it, you, you find that, that a lot of directors will try kind of, not necessarily dilute it a bit, but they'll certainly try kind of sand the edges off a little bit because I think to showcase the real sort of, uh, the real event or whatever would be too much. Um, but in this, because like it's such a smaller film, because, you know, uh, it's in Australia and or Tasmania, more 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 pointedly. Um, there is a sense of it that like they are really going the full the full mm-hmm. hog with this, you know. And it's good and bad in the sense of it's good that you're like, wow, they are really not leaving anything to the imagination. <clears throat> They're really showing you everything. But then at the same time, it's like Jesus Christ, this is pretty messed up. I. I I'm not really sure. So it's good because it's well made and well performed, but it's bad because it's a true story and you know it is. Exactly. And that's the thing of it. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think in terms of like, you know, what's going on in the US at the minute with gun rights and gun laws and all that kind of stuff, like it's very, it's very, very potent. Like it's very, very, very on the cuff of what's going on there or off the cuff of what's going on there. The idea of like, you know, uh, you know, mental health and the idea of like, you know, marginalized and angry people when they get access to wet, to guns, they're just, that's just a recipe for disaster <clears throat> and should never happen in the first place. And it's very, very, it's just, it's, it's very, very on the, on the nose of what's happened. And I mean, look, the other part of this as well is, is that like directly after um, this real life event, um, you know, they brought in huge, huge gun laws to basically stop the entire thing. And, you know, it's, you know, I I guess it's the kind of thing of, it's showing the, 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 the prelude to these kind of awful things. And it doesn't necessarily show, not necessarily the positive things, but it doesn't show the actions afterwards. It's all, it's all about the buildup. And but it's covering an event good. that it's a covering an event that drove change. Exactly, that's it, and it's eventually. focused eventually. But it doesn't focus too much <clears> on the change. It focuses on no. the horror that led up to it. Like the things were so bad, and this is how bad it was. So, yeah. is there anyone of note in it, Brian? There's a guy called Caleb Landry Jones. There's another guy called Anthony uh, Lapaglia. I think people might know Anthony Lapaglia. Yeah, he was in Criminal Minds, wasn't it? I think it was in Criminal Minds he was in, or was it without... No, it was without a trace. It was without a trace he was in. That was it. Uh, the film is called Nitrum, and it's Martin spelled backwards, but Nitrum is the name of it, yeah. Of course it is. Ah. In terms of uh, the sliding scale of chocolate oranges. Oh, this is... Like, it's Again, it's that thing of like, it's really, really good, but it's really, really unsettling and disturbing yeah. and not for everyone. But I would say... If you can handle it, definitely give it a go. I would go 16 out of 20. So that'd be, what, wow. four out of five? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. That's, yeah. that's strong. That's yeah. good. Did you guys see the movie that was made um, retelling and uh, reliving the events of the, you remember the mass shooting in Norway a number of years ago? 
on that island. Yeah, the one that Paul, the, yeah, Paul it was, is it Paul Greengrass that made that? Yeah, Paul Greengrass July, made that, yeah. It was the date. It was July 22nd, I think, was the name of the movie. Yes. Have, have you seen yeah. that? Is, is that in any way similar to this? Because that was a really, really dark, hor- hor- horrible movie, if I can call it that, yeah. because of what it, the events it was mm. portraying. And you talk about in other films, they may sanitize that somewhat. They didn't in this. It was it was extremely graphic. And I just thought, how do you make that with, you know, the, the families of these yeah. people? Yeah. To, I'm sure they've imagined what happened, but to actually see it on the big screen is is a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think in the case of July 22nd, I think like the issue, well, not the issue, but like the the reason there was, was that there were so many survivors. And if I remember right, I think the thing of it was they actually used, they used the actual like case files from it to reenact everything, like to make sure that mm. it was completely, wow. that Accurate. it was completely authentic. But in terms of July 22nd, what happened with that one was, was that, the film is basically like if you go back and watch that film, that's a film of two halves. Like the second half of the film is the trial and everyone who had it then going through PTSD and then coming out the other side of it and advocating for change as a result of it and then talking about like you know far right extremism and all this kind of stuff. And uh, you know, it shows that like you know, people triumphed over. The, the horror if you know what i'm sort of way whereas in this film it's just all about the horror and that's what i'm saying to you like it's very it's a very hard film to watch and it can be quite oppressive that's sort of i would argue that's the point like it's meant to really show the sort of the horrors of mass shootings of mass violence like this so um but yeah i mean in terms of authenticity and stuff like that yeah it's on a similar scale so like again i can't really recommend it but it's it is it is good important film perhaps yeah important film there you go that's better yeah all right interesting stuff brian we never we know where we start but we never know where we'll we'll end and that's that's the beauty (laughs) of it as well i mean you hit 18 man you're talking about three to five hey i will pull this truck over right now so pull the truck over you're not gonna shut me up fuck you i can say what i want i still got nazi bullets in my head the nazi bullets you're as bad as those fuckers at sunset manor my recommendation this week is a little light, something just a, a, oh. yeah, a, a little light this week. Because, do you know, sometimes you approach a new series and you go, oh, I'm going to have to invest my time now in this. And then other times you just want to watch a bit of telly. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah. something short and light that you can yeah. dip in and dip out of. So that's my recommendation. Uh, You're going to pick on the roads with Simon Delaney or G1. 8.30, actually. I managed, I managed 10 minutes of it last night and you, you bored me to tears. Not you. I, I could do that to people. Learning about now, road di- digitization and Bill Bell is... Anyway, carry on. What's your pick, kid? No, I'm only kidding. I do like the opening sequence to your show because it's like international man of fucking jet settery. It's <laughs> oh, great. So my, my pick, you'll find it on Amazon Prime and it's called Backstage with Catherine Ryan. So Catherine Ryan is a Canadian slash Irish, Irish descent, comedian who's based in the UK, known to many people uh, for hosting panel shows and appearing on panel shows and as a stand-up in her own right. Shane said to me, Catherine... You must be so sad that you don't have a husband at Christmas. This coming from the woman whose ham-colored husband, Brian, is a man I've never seen out of a bicycle helmet. He's just a spandex man, you know? He runs marathons. Those are the worst kind of people, by the way. What is it about a middle-aged man that he's gotta know he can be 26 miles away from home on foot at any given moment? Relax, Brian. Just trying to raise awareness for cancer. We've heard of it. And for this six-part series, she put on, and the, the makers of the show put on uh, comedy gigs in the Roundhouse, a beautiful venue in London. And on each episode, about four comics appear. And what you see on the episode is kind of 50-50. You get their performances on stage, an edited version you know, so say if they do a 20 minute set, you're probably getting five or six minutes of each comedian. And then the rest of the show is made up with conversations and behind the scenes crack from the dressing rooms. Ah, Seemingly where the good stuff happens. Someone thought we need to show what happens backstage 
at a comedy gig. People would be intrigued to know. So they rigged it out kind of like Big Brother style. Cameras in the dressing room, small little cameras so they're not meant to be uh, imposing or making it too obvious that they're actually just filming you nonstop. Obviously, the comedians who appear on this show, uh, and there's some very famous comedians, including Jimmy Carr is on it, Frankie Boyle is on it, Sean Walsh is on it, Joanne McNally appears in an episode, and and, and many more. Uh, they obviously know they're being filmed, so they're not going to completely drop their guard. But you do, sure, get, yeah. you do get some interesting conversations. It's interesting to see. I've always wondered uh, how competitive the comedy world is and is there big camaraderie between comedians you know when they, you get multiple comedians on a show and they're like please welcome the funniest man in the world it's Simon Delaney and then they walk it off going he's not fucking funny at all do you know what I mean I've always wondered is there a certain falseness to it so you get to see the relationship uh, between comedians how they interact with each other again bearing in mind they are hyper aware that they are being filmed uh, but they tend to get on great and they tend to big each other up a lot and they do talk about issues in comedy that are affecting them. Like and life being, on the road and all that kind of stuff, yeah, is it? And being woke and being cancelled and other issues that maybe are taboo uh, or if there's such a thing as taboo issues in comedy. It's something that really struck me and I thought was quite revealing. And I don't know if some of these comedians uh, hadn't gigged for a while because of COVID and stuff like that. But the majority, yeah, I'm going to say the majority of them were mad nervous to be appearing on a stand-up comedy show to perform for an audience. And these are experienced comedians, particularly Sean Walsh comes to mind. Do you know Sean Walsh? Yeah, I remember Sean, yeah. Yeah, he became famous somewhat <laughs> outside of comedy for having a fling uh, on Strictly Come Dancing with, with a married dancer. And he mm. became public news. He was on the front, I think he says in the show, I was on the front of the sun for like eight days running or something like that. Like it was crazy. And it seems to have deeply affected him. Um you know, mm. that, that level of attention and, and vitriol because he was, he was the bad guy because he kissed the married woman. Um, he particularly was a bag of nerves going on to do his comedy set. And like, he's an established comedian. Well, famously stand-up comedians, I mean, our own PJ Gallagher like, did a whole documentary about it where he puked the wings before he walked yeah. on, you know. He's an extreme, yeah. and he'd, he'd say that now, he is an extreme yeah. case yeah. Of, of like terror and dread. But then... Yeah. When you're on that stage, and I guess it's going well, you get that first laugh, then the, that's the drug. Yeah, yeah. It's always fascinated me too in terms of that security blanket because I know myself as an actor walking out on stage, you are shitting yourself. And it's good to be nervous because it creates a certain energy and gets you to where you need to be to do what you're doing. But yeah. as an actor, you always have something to fall back on. Like they're not your words. You know, when you get out there on stage to stand up, it's you, baby, on your own. And also, you've written these jokes. You know, so you don't know whether these fucking things are funny or not until you actually stand in front of 200 people or 100 people who've had a few scoops and who have things on their table that they can quite easily throw at you. Yeah, and generally... I have great admiration for them. They paid money. Oh, me too. I couldn't think of anything literally more terrifying. I mean, standing up in public is is a skill, but then try to make people laugh as well. She's a bit of an all-rounder, our Catherine. Like, she wrote wrote a series for Netflix um, called Duchess. Love that. Um, she's right. like she's she's one of these triple threats. She can do everything. This lady, you know. Yeah, she's she's got a great. Uh, yeah, I I, re- I really like her comedy style. She's yeah. she's not afraid to say it, and she's great at the put down. So there's there's moments in the show where she sits with her like her head writer, a guy called Jeff. Now it's obviously for the purposes of the show. They're literally writing jokes an hour before they go on stage. I'm yeah. sure they were written a lot longer. So her and Jeff meet up, and they're coming up with. Uh, put downs for the comedians who are going to appear on the show. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? And they're, they're, they're swapping gags with each other. That's very funny. It, they make it sound like they're just coming up with them off the top of the head. They're, they're not. And then without, because I know you're nervous of me uh, pulling spoilers on TV shows, Simon, COVID does affect this series at a point in it. Okay. And the reason I mention that is because one of the episodes turns out to be very different than what it should be. So one of the episodes should be four comedians coming out to appear on stage in front of a crowd. But because COVID affects the show in some way, they can't do that. And to finish the series, they end up going back to the host's house with a bunch of comedians, kind of like the best of from the series to sit down and watch clips back and get drunk together and tell more (laughs) stories in a very unfiltered way. So there's an unexpected uh, turn in the road with it, so to speak. Change of direction, yeah, yeah. It's a good one. It was like an enforced uh, 
adaptation that they had to make. But you know what? It's good because it's, there's six episodes. You can look at the menu and go, oh, Frankie Boyle's on episode three. I'm going to just dive straight into that. You don't need to watch yeah. it in order. Find your favorite yeah. comics. There's enough of them on it between the six episodes if you've got four. So in each episode. And where is that on, Edo? On Amazon Prime. And it's just, Done. it's light, it's fun. And, and you get the stand-up comedy as well. So you are getting stand-up comedy to enjoy as well. I'll buy that for a dollar. Yeah, I like that. And it's just put Catherine Ryan more on my radar. And uh, I definitely, like if she comes to gig in Ireland anytime soon, I would go and see her. Marvellous. That's your Christmas present sorted out. JC, <laughs> have you got something for us? I do. Uh, it's one I've been watching for years. And it was one of those shows that it was kind of, wasn't really loved where it first was. I can't remember what, what channel it was on now in the US. It's called Search Party. It ended up on HBO Max. Great cast. You have Elias Shawcott. A guy called John Reynolds is very good as well. And the brilliant John Early, who is this really out there comedian. Uh, you see him on stuff. He'd be on like, uh, you know, kind of late night shows. Always does uh, some good business for them. Very funny, outrageous guy. But the premise of the show is these four millennials, rudderless, kind of dead end jobs. Like a couple of them are like, you know, writers, inverted commas, not really doing much. Barely out of the parents' house in their 30s. And you have uh, Dory, which is Elias Shawcott's character. Um, she in particular is just kind of looking for meaning. So she reads an article where an old schoolmate has gone missing. The parents are really worried. She's uh, She just sees this as a sign, a project for her. She's going to track down this girl. She didn't really hang out with her in school, didn't really know her or respect her, but she thinks it's a sign from God or whatever to kind of get her act together. So she ropes in these three idiots that she hangs around with and uh, they go on this little adventure and they actually find her. This isn't really the whole point of the show. They find her. But in the course of that, there's a bit of an accidental murder. And they're such buffoons. The way they try and cover it up. Uh, like, that's just the first uh, season. Settle an argument. What did Dory mean when she texted, I paid the debt? No, Elliot, just stop. Just drop it. I assume she meant that she paid off April. Tell him. Tell him what you said. Drew. For one very teeny tiny second, I thought maybe Dory was referring to paying off her student loans, and Elliot's being a really big jerk about that. Well, why would we be meeting under a bridge? Exactly. It's a really big deal to pay off your student loans. I don't want to talk about it anymore. So this is a couple of seasons we have to delve into. This is definitely comedy. It it is a comedy. It's definitely a comedy. It's very dark, really dark. The fifth season's just come out not that long ago. Uh, And just to kind of skip over the intervening kind of seasons, Dory, Elias Shawcott's character, she is not long out of the loony bin or she's in the loony bin and she has these visions that she's basically figured out the meaning of life and happiness. Christ. I know. And people kind of believe her. Maybe she has. And we're we're the mad ones. Maybe she is. Where can we watch it, John? It's a HBO Max uh, job, but you you get on the Skybox, be buried in your Sky Atlantic there somewhere. Search party. I may note Oh, I just Googled it. Jeff, did you mention Jeff Goldblum already, Uh, John? It's coming up that Jeff Goldblum is in it. You have the odd uh, star guest now and again. You had uh, John Waters, uh, the filmmaker. He plays a guy. He plays a guy who's uh, from an adoption agency. And he's given these two guys, John Early and this other guy, one of their top level babies. He's like, he's not even a baby anymore. He's, he's eight years old. <laughs> he's like, he's like the yeah. shop model, is he? He's, he's like, we've, we've ironed out all the edges on this kid. He is. He's, he's like perfect. the Dyson 2000. Yeah, he's perfect. He actually has, I think, 2000 after his name. Of course and, uh, he, he's incredibly creepy, this child. Uh, but uh, again, John Early and his on-off boyfriend think this is the answer. They're just going to get this kid and everything's going to be okay. <laughs> merciless narcissists every Excellent. single character in it like okay. it's an incredible five show. seasons that's what, I, that's what I want to hear on this show something that I can invest a couple of weeks into excellent search yeah. party search party I know you mentioned when you finished uh, the offer you probably had a sense of deflation or kind of <clears throat> 100%. didn't want that feeling to end after the fourth season of search party when I ended I didn't cry but I felt really I felt like hung over I just felt <laughs> everything had gone to shit that's a great description. I felt all oh, no. like, What now? What like what? What, 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 what am I, I supposed gonna, to do now? Yeah. yeah. What am I supposed to do? Like turn this television off? Um, you know, you yeah, just yeah. listen to this podcast and get a new recommendation and go exactly. again. I'll say unreservedly, very dark but very funny, and the, they have the, the balance right when you're jaws dropping because of the violence or the, the horrible antics Excellent. of those people. Okay. I'm loving like it. So, so there are four very good recommendations like this week. Will we recap on the Mado Sky are going to give us what? 
Sky are giving us season two of the the Young Rock uh, to hear an amazing impression of the Rock. Just go back to the start of the podcast, and that is uh, telling the life of Dwayne the Rock Johnson uh, as a young flick growing up as he now plans in this television show and maybe one day in real life uh, to run for president of the United States. Marvelous! Uh, I gave you the offer, Paramount Plus. Watch it, please. Just that's all I can say. Watch it, watch it, and then watch it again. Hundred percent. Johnny, what did you give us? I gave you Search Party um, again. I, I use it almost as effusive when it comes to uh, my recommendation, but five seasons to plow through anyway. Happy days. Okay. And then Uncle Brian, Uncle Brian gave us the Minions and a little art house movie that might be your thing and might not be your thing, but uh, reasonable reviews for both of them. I wouldn't be as effusive in my praise for my pick, but nonetheless, that's not to um, go back on my word. I, I, I did enjoy it, and I think most people will. If you like uh, comedy, go watch backstage with Catherine Ryan on Amazon Prime. Can I just uh, offer one more bit? Please. Well, it's just some good news. They have okay. just begun production on season four oh, I saw that. I saw of Succession. That, that may yeah. mean, you may know more about this than I would, Simon, we could potentially be seeing it on our screens before the year is out. He did not fire me. He said it was just going to take a little longer. What I think he meant to say was that he wished that mom gave birth to a can opener because at least then it would be useful. Yes. Yeah, potentially we could, we could get the early episodes. Seems to be, yeah. just from what I was reading, a quite a quick turnaround from the wrap of season three to getting back into production. So maybe there's a, there's a will uh, there to... There might have been, yeah. I know season three was split up. Production was split up because of COVID, so they did mm. have the first bank of season three to go. But yeah, that did make my day today, knowing that we're going to get more from Succession. Yeah, Ada, what did you learn this week? I learned that your rail of clothes behind you is worth more money than all the clothes John and I own. I doubt it. I doubt it. You know what I learned this week, Ada? What? You do the world's worst impression of a minion. Give us it again. <laughs> that's my Maya minion, you fucker. Oh, Jesus, that's a minion with a sock oh, in his mouth. See you, you next week. <laughs> <laughs>